Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, and we're going to be talking about a nice little five-game winning streak here for the K-State Wildcats, the hottest team in the Big 12, folks. That's right. Coming off two ranked wins against TCU and Texas Tech, K-State is in a first-place tie at 5-2. and two. We're going to talk a little basketball. We're going to review the TCU and Texas Tech games. We're also going to look forward uh, to this Saturday's game on the road in College Station against Texas A&M. It's a 1 o'clock tick, tip time on ESPN. So K-State enters uh, the SEC Big 12 Challenge, drawing an old Big 12 foe with Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M is not a great team, uh, but we'll get uh, we'll get you kind of caught up more on that uh, here as we move on to the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm going to bring into the show a new face to the Short Side Option Podcast. DeLuis off this week, out of town, so we're calling in the reinforcements. I'd like to welcome Quentin Hoover to the Short Side Option Podcast. Thank you very much, Icon. Uh, first time, long time, and uh, big fan of the show. Uh, big shoes to fill uh, for our good pal DeLuis, and uh, just happy to be here and talk some cat sports. Well, it's it's great to have you, Quentin. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, I of course I know you, but for the for the audience out there, what uh, what do they need to know about Quinn Hoover? Diehard fan, uh, emo for life, and uh, a lot of tears have been shed in my lifetime following the Cats. Uh, pretty good follower of everything that's Bruce Cabal now and uh, how we're trajecting uh, forward with K-State football. Um, really excited to be here, talk a little bit about the well-oiled machine that is Bruce. Yes, and talking yes. about what we have upcoming on the rest of the Big 12 schedule. So, yeah, let's just get right into it. So, Quinn, I sat here two weeks ago and looked at this four-game stretch uh, that K-State had coming up at Iowa State, at Oklahoma, TCU at home, Texas Tech at home. I thought they'd be lucky to go 2-2. Two and two. Chris, I believe I was here watching uh, our first game against at Texas Tech with yeah. you and Needless to say, I didn't think two and two was a real shot yeah. after that offensive performance. And um, you know, much to our chagrin, this has been a really exciting team defensively to watch over the past couple games. And uh, you, it's pretty evident with Dean Wade back in the lineup that we are a completely different ball club. Yeah, and so when at that point, coming off the big uh, the big victory against West Virginia, the largest comeback in school history, uh, there was there was talk that Dean Wade will be back. It was just going to be a matter of time. We didn't know really when it would be. I was probably thinking that it would be closer to the end of this four-game stretch, uh, probably against Texas Tech that he'd be back, maybe maybe a little bit back early against TCU. Uh, but he played and started each of the last four games. And KC necessarily hasn't, you know, lit the, uh, lit the nets up, uh, you know, but they've been much more consistent in terms of getting good looks, I feel like, and I think a lot of that's due to Dean Wade. How do you, how do you see it? Yeah, you can definitely tell the floor spacing uh, over the past couple of games has been evident by having Dean down in the short corner in the post. Uh, people have to honor that baseline jump shot in that face-up game, and it's really created a lot more lanes. We haven't really taken a lot of advantage of the slashing ability of Barry and, and Cardi, um, but you can definitely tell it's a huge difference on the offensive side. Um, of the game for him, and, and the confidence has been there. I didn't think it would be as quick for him to be as aggressive with yeah. the ball, um, but over the past couple of games, uh, specifically OU and even against Tech early on, he's come out uh, as a force. So let's let's kind of look back at the TCU game. So 
this was a game that K-State never trailed. Uh, as did they, uh, they never trailed against Oklahoma. Led that, uh, led that game from start to finish as well. So for the second straight game, K-State really dominates uh, from, from early on. And, uh, and uh, you get the, get, the, get the music playing over there. But uh, K-State dominates early, from early on in that game. Uh, Xavier Sneed really had his best game of the season. Pouring in 18 points. Uh, was the recipient of a couple awesome alley-oops uh, from Kamal Stokes. Thought this was maybe K-State's most well-rounded game uh, in terms of in terms of how they did things on the offensive end, uh, getting 65 points, still not a not a great uh, total, but uh, averaging a little over uh, point of possession, uh, 1.8 points per possession. Did not shoot well uh, from from uh, behind the arc, but what they did do is they held down an offense that um, was one of the better ones in the Big 12. Uh, to only 55 points and a real nice workmanlike uh, 10 point win by the Cats in this one. Yeah, I think, you know, when you said Xavier Sneed having his best game of the season thus far, huge for our offense uh, with his shooting ability and ability to slash to the rim. Um, and I think what we're also seeing here in the past four games is our bench is shrinking. I mm-hmm. think we're getting some more um, stable minutes from a couple of individuals. I know Stockard is someone that's getting more minutes and, and Cardi, but. We're not seeing much of James Love. We're not seeing much of Austin Trice. And I think Bruce, you know, when shortening that bench, is uh, getting a lot more production and consistency from the offense. Yeah, that's a great point. So uh, Cartier Jada played 25 minutes. Uh, McGurl with 11 in this game. Mayween uh, saddled with some early foul trouble, as uh, per usual, it seems like. Um, but <laughs> uh, he still had a nice game, only with 19 minutes. Uh, had eight rebounds, or excuse me, eight points. And um, and three rebounds, so uh, a nice game uh, from the bell cow. Always great to see, but uh, this was Sneed's uh, kind of best game to date. Like I said, I want to kind of transition here a little bit into uh, the Texas Tech game just for a moment. Uh, when when I look at a couple things from the bench, uh, so against TCU, the bench didn't. Provide a huge lift, only only with five bench points. But in the in the Texas Tech game, and it was especially a low scoring, physical grinder, which we all expected uh, this game to be. You got uh, you got nine points from Mike McGurl in almost thirty minutes of action, and you know you say, oh, nine points. Why why is that such a big deal? But when you get nine points from one guy on your bench when you only score 58 total. Uh, you know, that's a that's a big boost that you probably weren't counting on going in, into the game. And this was another game that K-State, uh, not to get too far off of Texas Tech, but this was a game that uh, K-State was able to kind of control as well. Talk a little bit about how you see the bench minutes shaping up. Do you, do you expect really anything more out of – uh, you know, one guy that was getting a little bit of run, but it, it's been since, since limited to Sean Neal Williams. Do you think it's really going to be about a seven-man rotation, maybe eight with uh, Stalker going forward? I think it will be. And, you know, it's a fluid situation depending on the, the foul situation with, with Mayween. Sure. Uh, but I think in the post you can depend on Stalker being the first guy off the bench. I think that Trice and Neal Williams might be seeing uh, limited minutes. 
And I think we're going to continue to see that four-guard rotation with Mike, Cardi, along with Cam and Barry. Um, but I think you can tell, you said Tech being a, a knockdown, drag-out affair. We shot 46%, mm-hmm. um, which you know we held them to 32% defensively on the other side of the coin. Uh, but we knew going into this game with that tough defense with Tech, we had 17 turnovers, well over our normal average. Uh, I think it was around 11 a game. But... I was really impressed with the shot selection that we got, and we had a real intent of getting the ball in the post to Dean and Mac. And we went to the free throw line quite a bit, uh, more than I can remember seeing mm-hmm. the past couple games. So uh, you can definitely tell there's a change in offensive philosophy, and I, and I think we're going to continue to see the bench shrinking. Sure, and you know, one thing I want to mention about Texas Tech game, as we don't, I don't want to get too far because I want to go back to TCU here, but one thing, since we're, we're, we are talking about the Texas Tech game, is K-State shot an uncanny um, 58% from two in this game, which you're like, well, okay, why are you mentioning from two points, you know, field goal territory? Why, why, is that, why is that so instrumental? Well, Texas Tech allows teams shooting 41% from two in Big 12 play. And, of course, with – Barry Brown loving the mid-range game and, and getting Dean involved in, in kind of the, the mid-range game and then also in the low post. That's by far the best anyone shot against Texas Tech this season from the field in general, but especially from um, from two-point range. So it wasn't you know just like K-State was shooting well from outside and they were able to bury Tech uh, doing it that way. K-State shot 5 of 17. Not great, of course, under, uh, under 33%. But – when you look at it, K-State was very efficient in the uh, in the two-point area, and they also just clamped down Texas Tech. So I want to get back to the TCU game here, and I want to kind of keep the same uh, talk here about when I was mentioning clamping down Texas Tech, really clamped down TCU as well, as, of, as I mentioned. 55 points, uh, their season low to this point. Uh, they didn't have uh, Noy, who's one of their one of their better offensive players, and Alex Robinson did pour in 16 points. Bain helped him out with 16, and then J.D. Miller had 11. But after that, uh, they had a total of 11 points from the rest of the roster. So they really did a great job of clamping him down. I want to give uh, also a, a little bit of notoriety here to Barry Brown. Really shut down Alex Robinson. Uh, you know, not not necessarily the 17 points didn't shut him down there necessarily, but forced eight turnovers to only four assists. So, a guy who's one of the best point guards in the Big 12, uh, you know, got his points, but wasn't nearly as effective as uh, distributing the ball as he's been in the past. Yeah, I think you could definitely tell just clamping down on those passing lanes mm-hmm. and making him a more one-dimensional player and taking away uh, his dynamic skill set. He's a very smooth basketball player and he runs. Uh, you know that TCU team is the ultimate floor general. Like you know, Noy was definitely a big loss for them, sure. but at the same time, uh, they've had other people that have put up a lot of points. And I think even with that same lineup, they hung almost 100 points on West Virginia in the previous game. And mm-hmm. you know, we turned the ball over, uh, good ball pressure, and limiting any kind of post presence. Uh, I, looking back, I can't remember any real you know, play in my mind that stands out for them having anything going against Mac and Dean in the post. So. Uh, I think as long as you can keep them one-dimensional, um, that was a big factor for us to pull out the win. Yeah, and K-State did a great job defending the three. 
uh, for a team that was shorthanded. You knew they were going to probably shoot quite a few threes. They did. They shot uh, just as many threes as they did twos. Uh, 24 three-point attempts, only six makes, 25%. So K-State's getting it done on the defensive end. That's, of course, where they, uh, they make their hay. Uh, the offense is coming around, though. And I want to, you know, go. We'll we'll kind of put a bow here on the TCU game. Is there anything, you know, further that you want to add about the TCU game, or do you want to go ahead and look at Tech now? Let's roll into Tech. So let, let's close the book on TCU. Nice win for K State, but Texas Tech comes in to uh, into this game into Manhattan. Big big matchup. Both teams four and two. Uh, KU obviously had won Monday night in a close game uh, against. Uh, against Iowa State, you have this Texas Tech team coming in off two losses after starting four and zero. You kind of get the sense that they're hitting a rough patch. Not a real explosive team, obviously, in terms of scoring the ball. Very similar to how K State is or had been. I think. I think a lot of people are labeling K State as just a terrible offensive team because oh, our good what, friend Fran said yeah, so. Yeah, exactly. And we're, I, we're awful, I, atrocious. I shook my fist angrily at that, but they seem they're a little bit of mirror images of each other. And when we look at this game, you see that throughout both physical teams. What caught your eye in terms of why K State was not only I mean they, K State, it was nip and tuck through about halfway through the first half. But K-State really took control of the game about at that point. I'm looking it up right now, actually, uh, with a, with, when K-State kind of got on that run. And it was about, uh, about eight minutes or so in the, it remaining in the first half. They took the lead and they never relinquished. What's, what kind of sticks out to you about this game? Uh, for me, one individual that, you know, we talk a lot about the defensive side of the ball and we have our shortcomings on offense, but I think you could look at what – Mike McGuirle did on the defensive side mm-hmm. of the ball and towards the end of the first half and well into the second half and completely locked down. Um, whether, we, whether it was Culver he was guarding or shifting off the ball, uh, he made a huge difference for us down the, that stretch in the end. And you know, I think we shot the ball pretty well from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. The, the, foul, you know, the foul situation in the second half uh, got up pretty quick on us and we were able to capitalize. Barry missed a few, but I think yeah. Dean... Uh, seven know, of eight. Seven yeah. of eight from the free throw line, which is huge. Uh, we continue to get the ball in the paint. And, uh, you know, it, it, the weather outside was pretty terrible. I think it was really reminiscent of uh, uh, years back when we played Xavier, uh, when they opened it up to the student section. Mm-hmm. And you could tell watching the game that it was a pretty electric atmosphere. And I could definitely, you know, in my mind, look like the players were feeding off of it. Yeah, so... It's funny you mentioned too. Uh, Barry Brown was one of five from the free throw line. Uh, normally, you know, one of our better foul shooters uh, struggled, but Cam was five of five. Yep. Dean seven of eight. Um, and then Jada and Mayween split a pair. So, uh, yeah, great, great effort really uh, at the free throw line because, and that was really a big difference. I mean, Texas Tech only got eight points at the free throw line. K State gets fifteen. There's seven points of a of a thirteen point uh, of a thirteen point victory for K State. Let's look at Texas Tech here a little bit. What do you make of them exactly? They like I said, they start out four and zero in conference play. Everyone's thinking that they're you know an elite Final Four type team, someone that can cont- uh, contend for the conference title. Now they've dropped three in a row. What do you make of them? 
You know, I think they're a, a one-headed monster. I think that outside of Culver, um, you know, we've had our own offensive struggles, but I think it's really coming to light for them now. People are, are realizing that uh, he's their primary ball scorer, and when he's not being aggressive, they're not getting clean looks. Mm-hmm. And especially against a, a team like ourselves um, that prides itself on pressure, you know, they folded. Um, and, and I think you're going to continue to see more of that with the likes of West Virginia's uh, when they've yet to play um, Kansas in that kind of environment. I think that's going to be a big one. Um, they've got to find other options to score. Yeah, they they really do. And they run a, a very – I mean, so, of course, uh, Chris Beard from the, the Bobby Knight school, so to speak, run a lot of motion stuff, not necessarily – conducive to letting in because when we're watching the game on TV, Fran Fraschilla is talking about, hey, you know, we need to see Culver really take over here. If I'm him, I'm I'm running stuff for him. Well, that's just not really kind of their brand of basketball basketball at all. So it'll be interesting to see how they do uh, the rest of the season because I think that they do have some nice pieces, but maybe you see a little bit of the same kind of thing you saw with K-State. Not a lot of confidence uh, from anyone outside of Culver, and uh, you know maybe it might take some time for them to regain that. You know, I think another thing for K State, I think you could look back during this four or five game, sorry, excuse me, winning streak, and we've been very confident and at the very beginning of games, mm-hmm. and we've hit shots early. Mm-hmm. Looking back to the TCU game, Oklahoma, we hit shots early in the game, yep. and I think that's built confidence for us. And I think you can look at that the first ten minutes of a ball game. Uh, I'd be interested to see to go back and look how we've trended against opposing teams in the first 10 minutes during this winning streak because I think that just breeds success with that confidence in the team. Sure. No, I, getting off to great starts is always always crucial. And that's the biggest thing. I mean, when you look at first two games against Texas and against Texas Tech when we played them down in Lubbock, dreadful starts, awful starts. Terrible basketball. Terrible basketball. And the thing is, we – had the lead in the second half, I believe. Oh well, no, we didn't have. We never had the lead. I don't think in the second half against Texas. I'm looking that up right now because with we, Tech we, we definitely did. With Tech we definitely did not. We got we got it down to one, which yep. was which was uh, seemed like an absolute miracle at the time because of of where we started out. No, no. So excuse me, we did have the lead in the second half against Texas, and then they go on a huge run and uh you know blow us out by 20 which i'd love to have that game back because that's a game that you feel like you really like get away yeah being a home game and against a team with texas that has proven to be up and down you know, oh, they've, yeah. they've been able to beat north carolina earlier in their non-con but then you know uh, they just recently played tcu and you know looked atrocious at times i think it's a team that Ever since Shaka Smart's been there, has been trying to find an identity uh, with one and done. Yep. So, and I, and I, the talent's definitely there, but ah, being at home, that's one that you, you really want back. Yeah, you definitely want that one back, and that's kind of the difference. I mean, if if we could have had Dean Wade back just a little bit earlier, uh, it would have really changed maybe the complexion of, of where this conference race is right now. But, hey, six games in – or, excuse me, seven games into uh, to conference play – K State's tied at the top, so you can't be too. I'd ask her, my friend. That's right. You can't be uh, can't be too upset about that. So that'll kind of wrap us up here. Q, any thoughts you'd like to share on on uh, the TCU Texas Tech game that that are just now coming to mind? 
Um, no extra points, but I think, you know, we talked about confidence earlier and finding those roles within, you know, our bench. I think that we're going to continue to see that, and I'm hopeful that we get more run with Cardi and, and Mike. I, I think those are going to be two absolutely huge factors that we as we move forward in the Big 12 schedule. I agree. I think, uh, you know, one thing I'd love to see is – I'd love to see the Cardi of, of last year make a reappearance because you just haven't quite felt like uh, the aggressiveness is there. And now, of course, when I say that, I thought he had a great drive against Texas Tech that he got whistled for a charge on. And then that oh, was the kind flop, of the yeah, flopping. Yeah, the flop that uh, induces the charge call that really, I, I mean, obviously it's just one call, so it doesn't, it, it shouldn't impact a guy that much. But. Uh, but the guy that's struggling, though, even something that small or one play can definitely yeah. have a big impact. And, you know, we'd like to see more confidence with him. Sure. I mean, when Cam was out last year, he was, he was dynamite. Superb. Yeah, he was superb. So we know it's there. We know it's there. And uh, if K-State's going to make a run to get back uh, to the Elite Eight or, or beyond and to have a chance to win the conference title, he's going to be a huge part of that. So that'll wrap us up here for the review of – Texas Tech and TCU Cats are hot, baby. Five in a row for K-State. They uh, try to make it six wins in a row as they go out of conference uh, against Texas A&M. We'll be back to look at the Texas A&M game and answer your questions with Ask the Icon after this short break. All right, we are back on the Short Side Option podcast. Noah. Wildcat legend this week, folks, uh, with, uh, with D-Lou being out of here, it wouldn't feel right. So we're just going to look here at Texas A&M. K-State goes on the road to College Station, 1 o'clock tip-off on ESPN. A game that K-State uh, is the better team in, uh, should win. But, Quinn, as we were talking off air, this is kind of one of those games that you feel could be a, a look-ahead game. Uh, having a nice little long layoff, having played on Tuesday, get a nice little long layoff. Everyone's talking about how, especially this podcast, is how you're the hottest team in the Big 12 right now. So hot. It would be it would be easy to see a scenario in which K-State just doesn't show up, falls up flat to a, to a, a non-conference game, kind of right in the middle of the conference schedule. But this Texas A&M team... Not a very good team. We'll just call it like it is right now. Uh, Ken Palm ranks them 133rd in the country. This is a team that's lost six out of its last seven games. Uh, the only win being a one-point win over Alabama. They've lost at home by 15 to Texas Southern. This is a team that K-State should beat. However, like I said, there's some factors in here at play uh, in terms of looking ahead. What do you see? Uh, do, you, do you kind of agree with that, or do you think that K-State rolls easily in this one? Uh, I agree with you on that. I think this is, has the makings of a, a look-ahead game uh, with a long break going into it as well as a long week after it sure. uh, before we go and play at Oklahoma State. And uh, it's on the road. Uh, I can only imagine with a 1-5 in five conference record that that environment's not going to be raucous. It's hard to really get amped up for those kinds of games. Um, and and let's let's be real. Oh, Texas A and M's got talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've recruited at a pretty high level under uh, Stansberry down there, and uh, when he was an assistant under Billy Kennedy. And I I still believe that the Cats pull out the win in this, but I think it's going to be closer than what the line might be. 
Yeah, so via Ken Palm, K-State is a, a four-point favorite. Uh, Ken Palm projects a score of 65-61. to 61. When you look at what this Texas A&M team does well, it, it, it kind of gets hard to, to find that because you look here, average their offensive ranking, 129th. Defensive ranking, 140. So they're consistent. You know, they're right in that same ballpark. Uh, the one thing I'm seeing that they do pretty well, they do rebound the ball pretty well offensively. And um, that's one thing that K-State's done, a, a, honestly, a terrific job doing is keeping uh, teams off the offensive boards. Uh, like I, I had mentioned last podcast, uh, top five uh, in uh, offensive rebound percentage. Uh, now, K-State's opponents are only rebounding 22% of their own shots. So K-State doing a great job of, of keeping the, the opponents off the boards. This is a game that, like I, I say, I think K-State wins by about 7-8 points. Um, so maybe, out, maybe a little bit outside the line there. But it, like you said, this is a team that does have some talent. Crazy enough, uh, went to the Sweet 16 last year, of course, um, as, as you may or may not know out there, folks. But uh, they did lose quite a bit uh, off that team. Yep, a lot of talent left that roster from last year. Um, but you know, looking at this team, they've got about six guys that average at least eight points a game. So I think, uh, and I think it, there's a pretty severe drop off after that. But I think you can look at that as, a, as I guess, if we're trying to find any light here with this team that they share the ball and they can score, you know, across the board. But this game to me has the makings of a Dean Wade, you know, coming out party. You know, looking at their post presence and defensively. I think this is a game that we should be able to stretch them and really get the ball inside. So we're going to skip off a little bit off of uh, Texas a I'm going to ask you a question here, Q. If you could pick one team to, that we've – because we've drawn kind of the same cast of characters in the this Big 12 SEC Challenge. We've played – I remember when I was basketball manager, we played Ole Miss, and that was with Marshall Henderson. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but we've played Tennessee now, of course, number one in the country – Vanderbilt. Uh, Vanderbilt. Um, I actually, I don't think Vanderbilt was a. Was SEC, that, not? that That was just a kind of an offshoot game. So Georgia. Georgia. Um, Ole Miss. We played Georgia a lot. Uh, Georgia. Ole Miss. I'm trying to think. We played A and M before in this same challenge. Who would you like to see K State play? In the if you could pick their opponent from the SEC, who would you like to see them play? I'd like to go back and play Florida again. I remember when Florida came and played us in the Sprint Center uh, yeah, a few a years ago, and um, just that brand of basketball. And, and you know, outside of Kentucky, I, I think you could probably say the, the most amount of history. Oh, sure. Uh, and success with winning. Uh, I know it. It's we're a ways away from Billy Donovan being there, but I think that that brand of basketball is always fun playing a, a national power like or a national brand like Florida. What about you? So there's a couple ways I can go here. How about South Carolina? You're going to play Frank. Uh, that not be fun? I think you would pull a lot of people out of the, out of the hedges with their undying Frank support over the past couple years. Yeah, that would be, that'd be interesting to see. Um, but how about if I, if I was going to pick one for this year, I'd say let's get a rematch of that Sweet 16 game. Let's go. We'll play them in a row. Yeah, sure. We'll go in there and beat them there. Yeah. We will. I remember actually. I think I saw a comment 
from uh, Coach Weber earlier this uh, this offseason where he was like wanting to play Kentucky. Again, as yeah, a Sweet 16 rematch, that would be great. Gotta love the Scorpion there. I think I I love Bruce's attitude when it comes to that. You know, I think we can all look back before that game in the tournament and just the amount of vinegar that Bruce was coming out and spewing on. Yeah, he on was. Man. Uh, I think you're right. If I, I'd like to go back and change my answer. I'd I'd like to play Kentucky again. They are uh, they're on the heels of a, a very big game this weekend yeah. as well. And um, but that's a you always want for your brand to be playing the best games and sure. being on primetime television. So, Yeah, and that's a great point that you make here about just, you know, your brand being out there on primetime television. You know, it's crazy. You look here, I'm looking at uh, the schedule uh, for the Big 12 on Saturday. You can't watch ESPN or ESPN2 pretty much all day and not see a Big 12 team play. So I don't like the fact that this happens in the middle of conference play because you're kind of getting familiar with everything that's going on. But it really is a great time to do it, especially with, you know, there's no football. I mean, of course, uh, you know, Super Bowl is decided. This is the week between. College basketball really kind of takes center stage this week. And you do have some big matchups. with You have uh, KU, and, um, KU and Kentucky, uh, I believe uh, – Iowa State and Ole Miss yes. is another yep. uh, ranked matchup. So you have some good matchups uh, across the board, really. And But you really are on a six or so, or six to eight hour commercial for your conference and your basketball league on ESPN, ESPN2, right in the middle of, of the day. Nothing really else going on. Yep. For the for the avid bas- college basketball fan, this is a nice little primer getting ready as we roll into the heart of conference play and into March. And, um, you know, I think it definitely does throw a wrench. And when you're thinking about game prep, scouting, when you're in conference. Sure. Um, but for us, I think you can look at this as a nice, you know, time to, to get healthy and relax, you know, with a week leading up to this game and a week after it. Um, but, again, focus has got to be on this team. And, and, I, and I have faith that they're going to approach this with a lot of um, – with a lot of prep because, again, you know, you can't lose to a team that's, yeah. that's got a horrendous record in conference and overall. Uh, yeah. That's a blemish for the resume. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too, is K-State has had some bad losses this season. Um, some Could have some very easily even worse losses with uh, George Mason uh, being a one-point one game. Southern Miss looked like a – took a – I think K-State has had – their largest comeback against West Virginia, which would also be another bad loss. And um, Southern Miss, I think, was like the third biggest comeback in school history. So Georgia State, where Dean was injured. Yeah. Uh, that, that game we were trailing uh, until the end as well. And um, But, you know, again, you, the, the best thing that um, Dick Vermeil said, you keep losing teams losing. That's uh, right. And I think this is a prime example of that. Absolutely. So let me get – I know we both are in agreement that K-State's going to win – Give me a score prediction. Uh, I know I said earlier that it might be closer than uh, than what the line was, but um, I again think this might be another low-scoring affair. Uh, I might say it's going to be a, a 68-62, 68-60 kind of game. I'm going to go K-State 67, Texas A&M 55. Book it. Book it. Mark it down. K-State wins this one. And they get a nice little uh, – 
week off, so to speak, uh, as they will go on the road to Stillwater and resume conference play next Saturday. So that'll do it here for the uh, the preview of Texas A&M. Q, would you be so kind uh, to take us to the Ask the Icon segment? Ask the Icon. Uh, the first question in this segment comes from Michael Kelly at Kelly Mick. What seed are we going to be in the tournament asking for a friend? Well, I we had talked off air about this. I was thinking anywhere from the four to six range, and, and you, uh, you know, we, we both echoed that sentiment. But he's not asking for a range. He's asking for a seed. I'm going to say K-State is a four seed this year. Uh, not far off from my prediction. Uh, again, a lot of it's up in the air as we finish out our conference season. Um, but I could see us ending the year with about a 12-6 and six conference record, putting us around a five seed. Okay. Uh, that's my prediction. Okay. Next question comes from Steven at Godlewski22. Mr. Icon. Oh, very proper. Very nice. I like, I like that. If you could take one K-State basketball player off this year's team and have them also play on next year's football team, who would it be and why? Hmm. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say Barry Brown. I won't even tell you what position he's going to play. He's going to play cornerback. Because... Fluid hips, huh? Fluid hips. And, you know, there was a great play in that TCU game that's... Uh, that uh, sticks out to me. TCU uh, had a long outlet down down the end, uh, heading towards oh the, towards the the tarp side of of Bramlage, and very gracefully intercepts the pass. I felt like if Stan Weber was calling, or if I could hear what Stan Weber was saying, he was like, "That's the next great K State cornerback out there." And a velvety voice. Velvety voice. Uh, but uh, yes, no, I I think Barry Brown would make a. a a damn good cornerback, and uh, he would be—he'd be. It's a position of need, of course, with Duke Shelley, uh, you know, graduating, and he was, of course, injured for pretty much uh, the entire second half of the year. But yeah, Barry Brown out there playing uh, some cornerback. I think that, I think that could work. Uh, if it were me, uh, I'd be looking at Magic Mike. Uh, I think uh-huh. the build that he's got and the explosiveness that we've seen uh, on some made dunks, as well as some uh, pretty. Wild miss dunks. Uh, I <laughs> yeah, think he, some wild miss ones. Yeah. I think he'd be a pretty fun guy to have back in the linebacker, a safety position. Um, but that's just me. And okay. having a, a linebacker named Magic Mike. Uh, <laughs> come on, that's you that's linebacker love, written all over it. You gotta love that. Uh, next question, uh, a little off topic, coming from Steve Z at SL Keck. Hey there, Icon. Who is your favorite stand-up comedian, and what is your favorite stand-up special? Okay, so. I can't narrow, I don't watch any stand-up comedy really. I, I to be honest, I'm too busy reviewing game film. I mean, you, you got Yeah, you have to understand that, guys. But so I don't have a I don't have a special in mind. But I do have a favorite stand-up comedian, and that's Norm Macdonald. <laughs> I, that guy, I could literally watch. I could watch him eating a sandwich. I think I'd die laughing. The guy, I I'm a huge Norm Macdonald fan. I'm sure he's got. You know, special after special after special on whether it's Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, whatever. Uh, I haven't gotten around to see him all, to see any of them, but uh, Norm Macdonald, by far my favorite comedian. Uh, big fan of Norm Macdonald. 
That's a good. That's a good one. He's actually had a new one come out I'm on sure Netflix, he does. and it's definitely a little different change of pace than his old ones, but oh, okay. still some really good oh. humor. Him yeah. and Artie Lang together. Oh are yeah, well, see, phenomenal. I, I I like Artie Lang too, but when it comes to just Norm Macdonald, man, he, that guy just kills me. That kills me. He's great in uh, Dirty Work. Of course, who yeah. can forget that movie? And uh, also a nice cameo in um, Billy Madison. So, yeah, huge. His work on SNL stands oh, up yeah. for itself. Well, yeah, he, him is a weekend update guy. Unbelievable. Yeah, there's been no one better since him. No, no. Next question. Um, I think it's a great question coming from Tyler H. at TH8. Icon, will K-State blow KU out when we finally play them in a couple weeks? Or will it be a close victory? It'll be a close victory. Um, by close, I mean probably about seven points. So um, we won't – and, you know, I'm going to just kind of go off topic here a little bit. But I'm going to look at KU's uh, recent home victories. Not just against K-State, but against anybody. Other than the TCU game, which I didn't get a chance to really look at in the Oklahoma game. So their last two games, I guess. So against Texas and against Iowa State. A four-point win against Iowa State and a two-point win against Texas. Coming down to the wire. I can't tell you how many times growing up as a child, I watched them, you know, anytime I thought that any team had a chance to beat them, they'd probably end up, KU would end up winning by 12 to 15, 20 points, whatever. And they'd be singing that damn chant, the final two, three minutes of the game. They haven't been singing much this year in the last two games. So, um, I mean, we're looking back at it. That Texas game was a few inches away from them losing at yeah. home to Texas. And they've they blown some leads, and they, they, uh, they haven't been, uh, you know, they've been good at home, of course, and they have a great home court advantage. But, of course, Tyler's talking about the game in Manhattan. But I do think that K-State uh, – I think K-State will win that game in Manhattan, and I'll tell you what, we owe them in Lawrence. We should have won there the last two years and came up short uh, by a single possession in each game. We might be getting out of the brooms this year. Whoa. That's, that's a big I'm, I'm, statement, my friend. I'm going there. I think because uh, we, we, we definitely owe them in, in Allen Fieldhouse, and I know, I know for a fact. So – of course, the senior class has not beaten KU. Nope. Not home, not away. Not Big 12 tournament, nothing. And So what in your mind, what needs to happen? If, if there's something that absolutely is going to be a key part of us pulling off this sweep, what would that be? To me, it, it's relatively simple. Uh, losing Azubuke for them is a huge Huge loss for when they – it's a huge loss for their team, but it's a huge loss, especially in terms of the matchup for when they play K-State to, from the K-State perspective. They don't really have a guy – K-State doesn't really have a guy that can match up with the width and the the power of Azubuke. Now, I'm really – Dietrich Lawson, I was not really a, necessarily a believer in how much he was going to impact KU – uh, just because I, be quite frank, I knew who he was. I know he was a, you know, Ballyhood recruit, all that stuff. Trash get, conference. Yeah, but he played in Memphis. I did, I never saw him play, honestly, at Memphis. But I had only heard just sterling things about the guy. So I said, okay, we'll 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 wait and see on this guy. And he's very good. He's very talented. 
good, good looking shot. He does like to shoot it from outside. He's not a great outside shooter, but he can. He's capable. He has a good stroke. The last couple games, he's, he's showed better. it off a little bit um, mm-hmm. with some confidence and and self giving him the green light. So um, I think there's a little bit of stretch to his game, but again. He's not the physically imposing presence that an Azubuki presents on the offensive or the defensive side of the ball, which is, I think, the bigger loss for KU. So what? I, here's my what. What does Case State need to do to win those games? When I was a basketball manager, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back here on a time machine. Drop some names. So when I was a basketball manager, when we played KU in Allen Fieldhouse. We had the game plan of going, and we were going to try to double Joel Embiid anytime we got the ball. And that didn't work for us. We got blown out in that game. But when we played in the Manhattan, we trusted whether if it was Thomas Gibson, uh, who really drove, uh, got most of that responsibility, or if it was you know, Shane Southwell or whoever was guarding him at that time, they trusted a little bit more single coverage. And Embiid had a nice game against us. And now he had to leave that game, I believe. That was kind of the start of his back problems. But the, the thought here that I have as it relates to Dieter Glossen is not to double. Don't let him get his. I mean, obviously, if he's get, going out there and scoring every time down, then you're going to have to bring some help. But don't let anyone else get involved, whether if it's – uh, you know, like on this year's team, Vic. That's the one guy that's kind of the X factor because he can shoot from outside, but he's been pretty much up and down all season. He was early in the season, it was only up. And then as of late, it's come back down to earth a little bit. Where would KU be right now without without Vic? I mean, it's a real rags to riches story in a matter of a year because, yeah, they, you know, at the end of the season last year, he was essentially shown the door by Bill Self and then, mm-hmm. you know, welcomed him back at the end of the season. I'd. You know, without him there this year, with some of the clutch scoring that he's provided, I I think throughout that, the season, yeah, yeah, I think they'd be in trouble. And so now KU's got the emergence of Marcus Garrett, and it's a nice story. Guy who was bench player didn't really have a big role last year, is really kind of transplanted. Vic is their second best player as of now, and. He's a nice player in terms of he's a good defender and he can drive. Yep. But he cannot shoot. Nope. He cannot shoot. Most of his and points. And he can't shoot free throws either. No, most of his scoring came off of their little weave action that yeah. they had last game where he just got open lanes to the bucket and an and above average finisher. But I don't think there's a real you know, talent for shooting no. uh, with him. So what I say K-State needs to do to win this game is – Play even with Lawson with single coverage. I mean, he's going to get his buckets, limit him to you know twenty po- eighteen to twenty points somewhere in there, but clamp down on everyone else. Don't let um, don't let Gar- uh, Garrett get that get downhill on the weave action and just get layups at the rim, and then you gotta you know clamp down on Vic on the outside because he he has that ability to go get hot. And, uh, you know, pour in 20 points. But really, when you look outside of, I mean, really, when you, I, I don't think it's even close right now in terms of, and I think I said this last week, in terms of a team that has a better duo in the conference right now than Barry Brown and Dean Wade. I don't think, I mean, 
KU with Lawson and Garrett slash Vic, whoever won, I'm not taking that over Dean Wade and Barry Brown. No, I think I think that's a, a good point, you know, knowing that we've got some consistency there with, you know, at least those two top players. But in my opinion, you know, what's been the constant for KU the past five years, you know, the point guard play, mm-hmm. whether that's been Graham or Mason. And, you know, I think that Dotson's been a, a really solid player for them the past few games. But, again, it's a freshman. Yeah. And and I think that, you know. And Quentin look, Grimes hasn't even got – he was on the bench for most of the I second half. The, the kid, uh, uh, Owaji, yeah. uh, the kid from around here in Kansas City, has actually been seeing a lot more minutes than Grimes, and he was mm-hmm. a, the less heralded player. Um, but I think that's where if we're to, to, you know, to get the brooms out and, and do some sweeping action – uh, comes on the defensive side of the ball and the guards putting pressure on them, not giving easy passing lanes into a Diedrich Lawson. And, and in my opinion, I think kind of speeding up the game a bit and, and getting into some of our, our sets and getting some easy buckets out of transition from defense. But, um, again, I agree with you. I was not sold on Lawson coming into the season. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. He's, but he has proven me wrong uh, in, yep. in a lot of ways with the scoring and punch that he's provided them. Yeah, they don't really have – yeah, I mean, if they didn't have Dieter Lawson, they'd be they'd be in a lot of trouble. But uh, he's been he's been a good player for him. But K State, uh, they're getting a sweep. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, I did. They're getting a sweep. So deal with it, Beakers. That's right. Icon has spoken on that one, my friends. That's right. That's right. And uh, yeah, I'm looking here. KU 35% three point shooting team, well down from where uh, they were last year. So. Got anything else on there? Let's go to another one. Uh, another great question from Nick Strom, at Nick Strom. Icon, out of any K-State athlete ever, who would win a Hunger Games competition? So, Q, you're more well-read than I am. Uh, can you explain to me what the uh, Hunger Games is? I, I know it's a book in a movie. And I, and I wish I could give you an answer, Icon, but uh, I'm not a, a man that's well-read by well, any means. So you know what we'll do? We, we'll answer this question because I know uh, the premise. It's pretty much just like a, the cal- or a, a, an event to see who lives. And uh, I'm going to go with the, uh, the strongest, most tough-willed wildcat that I know, and that's Marlon Charles. <laughs> so Mar- Marlon Charles is the answer for who would win – and uh, a K-State version of the Hunger Games. So thank you for the question, Nick. Uh, very good out of you there. It's a good job. Great question, Nick. And uh, the last question I've got for this evening for the Short Side Option Podcast uh, comes from Tony at Lucas Nove. I think, I think we all know who this is. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Icon, how are you and D. Louie making efforts to get all of KSU Nation student body on the Scorpion Bruce train? I haven't seen any scorpion signs in the student section as of yet. Well, there haven't been any scorpion signs, but uh, the scorpion movement is alive and well. It's very much a grassroots movement, and uh, you know the best is yet to come as we continue to grow the word about the scorpion. And uh, right now, the scorpion is just out there stinging folks left and right. Uh, I had a nice scorpion haiku recently, so I think that got a lot of traction. So I think, uh, you know, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna go ahead and read that real quick, if if you don't mind. I'm gonna, it's, I th- I was very proud of this haiku that I put together here. All right, here's a scorpion haiku. Bruce is very strong. He has shut the doubters up now. 
Ouch, he stings again. So that's uh that's from the the scorpion there. And uh That was moving. Did, did you did you like that? <sighs> felt it. That's good. I'm glad I'm glad that you uh I it felt really good coming off the fingers, so to speak, uh on that one. So well, that'll wrap us up for this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. A special thank you uh, to Quentin here as he more than more than capably filled in for Drew. I think you might even be better than him. Well, what do you think about that? Well, let's let's not start throwing those okay. words around. I'm yeah, not I, I'm I, not I'm not stepping on D. Louis' toes here. Yeah, I can see him just shaking his fist at me. Just kind of you know, got to get that jab in. Talented guy with some well deserved time off from a, a prominent podcast, and I just want to say thank you, Icon, for having me on. It's Absolutely. an honor and a pleasure, my friend. Absolutely. Well, that will do us for this week's edition of the Short Side Option. We'll be back next week to look at the K-State game on the road in Stillwater, a place where they've had some struggles before in the past. Uh, this Oklahoma State team, not not quite the team uh, that they've had in the past, but uh, no doubt a, a team that's dangerous, especially on the road. Gallagher, I have a tough venue to play at. So K-State will have to bring their A game if they want to continue uh, this hot streak and uh, establish themselves as the team to beat in the Big 12 Conference. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Short Side Option. We'll be back next week. Go Cats.